0: Listen up, MuggleCast listeners. GoDaddy hosting plans are more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 a month. And no matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data
1: center. Plus,
0: as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code RON. That's R-O-N when you check out and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Some restrictions always apply, but check that site out for the details. Get your piece of the internet at
1: godaddy.com.
2: This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you all from Mugglecast hoping you enjoyed. They'll be they'll be coming. Yeah. They'll be Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you, thank you.
3: Because Mary Grand Prix is joining us this week, this is MuggleCast episode 172 for March 6th, 2009. This is a show for The Mantle, ladies and gentlemen. This week we have, as promised and previewed, A interview with the illustrator of the American Harry Potter covers, Mary Grand Prix, on the show this week. We conducted a great interview with her, and we'll be having that later on in the show. And it's actually been a while since our last Mugglecast, so we're going to be catching up on a lot of news this week. So, let's get right into the show. I'm Andrew Sims.
1: I'm Laura Thompson.
3: I'm Micah Tannebel. And I'm Matt Britton. Okay, Micah, we're all looking forward to the Mary Grand Prix interview, but first, what's in the news? Well, we got a lot of news because, as you said, it's
0: been a while since we did our last show. and uh, Yes, it has! We'll, we'll get right into it. Uh, today, Australia debuted a new look at Half-Blood Prince back on February 23rd. And uh, there were a few new scenes that were revealed uh, in this. Can you call it a trailer or is it just a sneak
3: peek? It's just as good as a trailer. Yeah.
0: I yeah. mean, it's better than the Japanese one, that's for sure. <laughs>
3: oh! I mean, first we saw the... This was in theaters. Then, it, like I said, it was on Today Australia. And then WB officially released it in beautiful high-definition quality. And um, just everything in this trailer, the, the the scenes with Bellatrix jumping up and down in front of the burrow... Or, or, sorry, in front of Hagrid's hut. It's just oh my god mm-hmm. these scenes were great
1: yeah they really were great I have to say I really enjoyed the one opening scene where she flew down in front of the burrow yeah I mean which you just mentioned yeah. but it just looked so cool
3: yeah she did a little twist mm-hmm. it was
1: so
3: yeah. awesome I also love when she's running on the uh, tables in the great hall yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just insane I love crazy tricks. I'm so excited to
1: see that oh <laughs> uh, well you get to see um, Hermione sticking the on. oh yeah on that was pretty cool it funny. looked really cool But at the same time, that clip also shows, you know, the original trailer where it shows Hermione crying and she looks really emotional. Mm -hmm. I thought that's that. Yeah. I thought maybe it was because of Dumbledore dying. I just think it's a little bit too much. I don't know. A little too upset. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) Well, she's she's heartbroken, I guess. I mean, well, I don't know. You know, you you, maybe uh, Ron in the film said something after that and it made her more upset. Yeah, because she didn't seem very, very emotionally upset when she did the spell to cast those birds onto Ron. She just looked kind of just a little bit upset. But then we saw in the trailer, she looks like she's on the verge of a mental breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, you're a big Rupert fan. Do you like his hair in this?
1: yeah, I Movie? like it. Um, I don't Do know. You? I like it shorter in general. I mm. mean, I hate to sound like one of these people who's surrounded scrutinizes how they all look. Um yeah. I really didn't like it in Goblet of Fire. Though I didn't like Dan's hair in Goblet of Fire either.
4: No, it's- N- none was- of the hair was was happening in Goblet. Yeah, of Fire.
1: no, it was bad.
4: <laughs> at the end of this was that uh, the I am the
3: chosen one clip again. And at this point, like it's funny, but it's like okay. It's going to provide zero excitement in theaters cuz we've well, all seen it now. There's so like...
4: always that scene in in every film that they keep playing over and over in TV mm-hmm. spots, trailers, and, and behind the scenes everything. And then you, when you see it actually in the film, you're like, "Ah, uh, we've already really? seen this a million times." So that's just going to be the the scene that everyone's going to be already tired with. So, yeah. Really cool. I mean, this just the
3: clips are top notch. I mean, in the cave, the cave looks incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. The inferior. And
3: we've talked about, yeah, yeah, just crawling up there. Oh, what an epic scene that's going to be.
4: The fire looks
3: really good, too. The ring mm-hmm. of fire that he casts. Yeah. I just love how the camera starts out above him and it swoops <laughs> down. It's pretty epic. Yeah, it, it really is. What else is going on, Micah?
0: There's a new Half Blood Prince site, and we get to hear a little bit of uh, music from Half Blood Prince.
3: Yes, well, let's play it because it's some stuff from the uh, score. We can only assume, right, Matt?
4: We can only assume because it's not from any other film that we that we've heard from. Yes. So you have the Hedwig's theme. That sounds just like John Williams, too. That's yeah. what I'm really. Well, they like. always use the same. Oh, no, not! I mean, they always use variations. And this of part, it. this part's new. Shh. So, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess the scene. What could that possibly be for? Oh, that's definitely that one that part in um um that one scene, remember?
1: That Apple one Prince. scene. Yeah,
4: that one in that in the film in movie
3: six. Maybe it's like maybe it's like in uh, Fred and George's uh, Wizarding Weezes?
4: No, nah, I, I would I would assume that would be more like silliness and crazy score.
3: It's kind of it's a little
4: upbeat. Actually, th- uh, th- I th- hate
0: to break it to you guys, but we had Patrick Doyle record that last week.
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> you guys fell I for see.
3: it. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's all a fake. Well, you guys did a good job hacking Warner Brothers site and putting that on there. What else is going on, Michael? Let's shift that a Half-Blood Prince. We're all tired about that. There's a new movie coming. Yeah, I'm sick and tired
0: of this. We're, we're going to be able to piece the movie together by, uh, you know. The, in these next couple of months, with all these videos and photos, it's getting it's getting tiring. So let's go to Deathly Hollows. Uh, filming's officially underway, and uh, Emma Watson updated mm-hmm. her site that she began filming on February the nineteenth. And uh, speaking of Emma Watson, uh, her mother, or the the woman who's going to play her mother, Michelle Fairley, was cast today. And uh, this brings up an interesting question because we know that. Her parents don't appear, at least uh, you know, in terms of any dialogue in Deathly Hollows. So, what are they going to do uh, for the movie? That's going to have a scene for th- for these uh, these two characters. I'm assuming they're going to cast her father as well. Mm-hmm.
4: This, is, yeah. this is really kind of weird because we only see it in like only it's Hermione who actually talks about her parents in the movie or in the book. But we never see any
1: well, interaction. Well, now they got.
4: Now
3: they have two parts to fill, so I think they—they, they, uh, this is a perfect little extra thing to add in there that the fans will appreciate. I think it'll just be a little like, like while Hermione's explaining it to Ron and Harry, maybe there's a flashback to uh, Hermione getting them off to Australia or
4: something. Right. Well, they may have even been be casting just to take like a photo shoot so she has a picture of them with Oh, her. yeah, maybe. Now, is this mm, the same true. woman who
3: played her in Chamber of Secrets? No. No. And people in the muggle net comments were saying hey well why not why not hire that woman the the woman who played her excuse me in chamber of secrets because she um looks more like her or something like that but i mean the photo we posted on muggle net it's not you know that's not how she's gonna look in the movie Mm-mm. so no
1: So i'm sure they'll give her the same hair at least
4: yeah not bushy same hair color non-non-bushy hair yeah, yeah,
1: but I think I think
3: it's a good sign for for these two parts because you would never see them do this in uh, a one parter thing. I mean, that would probably be cut from the movie mm-hmm. altogether. That whole mm-hmm. you know uh, Hermione explaining to Harry and Ron what went on with their parents. I mean, I think that would be cut.
1: But I mean, mm-hmm. at the same time. I feel like they could just do it in the movie the same way it was done in the book. Hermione just told them what she did, and I feel like that would be a really quick way of getting that issue out on the table. I feel like casting somebody was kind of not an overly smart move, just because they've cut characters before who were more important. So why would you cast characters who you never actually see in that book?
3: Well, I see uh-huh. it as like, B- it's going to be B-roll footage, where while Hermione is explaining it, It it, over top of her
4: explanation, you see Hermione sending them off to
3: Australia or
1: something. Mm, Yeah, I
4: I honestly—that'd be funny moment. I honestly think it's going to be just for like a picture or something she has, because maybe I don't know. Because the casting site said she was cast for it, so Mm,
3: I kind of agree with Laura on this. I mean, have we ever seen like casting
4: announcements for people
3: in just pictures?
4: Well, we heard um, about Timothy Spall being in Order of the Phoenix, but only being for that photo. Of the Order of the Phoenix.
3: That's
1: true, yeah.
4: Well, yeah, I guess. I guess, I mm-hmm. suppose. And I'm look- I'm actually looking through um, Michelle Fairley right now on Google and all these images, and she does look a lot like Emma Watson. And then it's also interesting because the article... Ben's going
3: to be happy. Yeah, the article also says, however, producers for the blockbuster have insisted that they wanted Michelle to play the part of Mrs. Granger. So why would they insist unless, you know... There's, I, I think they're adding something, a scene. I think it's more than just a picture.
4: They, they may be at the wedding. You never know.
3: Oh yeah, maybe. What else is going on with Deathly Hollows?
0: Well, it was uh, reported back on February 27th by the Telegraph that 21-year-old Brent, is it Clovstad? Clovstad. Yep. Was camping outside Leavesden Studios in an attempt to get a part in Deathly Hollows. Now, Andrew, I know you spoke to him, and it's actually discovered that he was just looking for any job on the set, not necessarily (laughs) a role in the film. He even told you that he's clearly not British and he's not an actor. He just wants to be involved in some capacity.
3: Yeah, and The Sun initially reported it, and then The Telegraph, I guess, just took their story or something, because they both said that he was there just to be an actor, but to, to, to act in the film, and... When we reported this, I thought it was a rather intriguing story. The story ended up getting 177 comments with people, the large majority being like, he's crazy. Why would, why should he get a role? He's American. He says he can't act, blah, 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 blah. So what I did is um, I uh, went on good old Facebook and I Facebooked his name. And sure enough, I saw a picture of him, sent him a message, said, hey, uh, do you want to talk about this uh, for MuggleNet? And I tried to record it, but the recording turned out bad because he's over there right now. And he, he had a poor internet connection. So I just wrote up the summary of the interview instead. And he revealed, like what Micah said, he was just trying to get any sort of job. And he was also sort of trying to brighten up the days of people who were there on set. He held signs that read things like, you are magical, have a hairy happy day, we can all be heroes like Harry, and smile. Like, it was just a really nice... Story, I thought you know, he was just trying to brighten up people's days. And, you know, if he if he if he gotten uh, a, you know, little intern job where he was sweeping floors one day, he would have been happy with that. But, you know, he was still happy with the outcome. He took to talk to a couple actors as well. So that's that. And it just shows you. And now everyone's upset at the press for screwing up this story and making him look like something he's something yeah. like someone he's
4: not. And that's all due to you, Andrew. Good job. Yeah.
3: I saved him. He's welcome. No, but he's he's a really cool guy, and uh, wish him well. He lives in uh, Southern California, actually. Too, oh. going to be heading back here soon.
0: Continuing on with Deathly Hollows, uh, we got a release date for the second part of the final film, July fifteenth, two thousand and eleven. It was originally scheduled for May two thousand eleven. I can't imagine why they would move the film back to July.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, why is everybody all pissed off? Like everyone is still uh, angry at Warner Brothers. Oh my god, they're doing it twice to us! I can't believe Warner Brothers. Oh my god,
1: I don't get why these people are complaining. It just means the movie is going to come out in the summer when you don't have school.
4: Yeah, yeah. And do you stop really want? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't get it. It's, I think it's ridiculous. I
3: think, and you know, this is the final release date, so they can't do this in the future. But I think that they should stop announcing release dates so early they've been doing this since order of the phoenix where they released the release date two years early and it's just and they end up changing them <laughs> yeah
4: so, uh, well also uh, also know. fans uh, especially of the films that that are are coming out they shouldn't really consider all the release dates they, that studios provide set in stone because right. movies yeah. m- movies don't have a certain schedule things happen some uh, the
3: the bigger side to this is that we finally in a way have a have a end date for <laughs> for the fandom because for the first time after July 15, 2011 there will be no new books and no new movies
4: oh, man. Um, based
3: on the original 7 books yeah thanks for so. making that a reality Drew that was really nice <laughs> it's kind of sad it is kind of sad you know there's that final date now And it seems so far off, but, you know, it'll be here. It does seem really weird. Yeah. What do you guys think about this? I mean, you know, is it kind of weird?
1: It's weird that I'm going to be 22 when the last movie comes out. I've been reading these books since I was 11 years old.
3: Yeah. We should, um, I'll be 21 too. I'll be older or 22, something like that. I'll be
0: 28. uh, Does that make you feel any better, Laura?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'm
1: not, I'm not talking about age. Like I'm not, I'm not using that as a factor it's just been such a long like road i guess if you think about it i mean a lot of changes have happened in everyone's lives since we started reading these books and it's just weird like who knew when you were a kid or a teenager or whatever and you picked up the first harry potter book how different it would be 10 years down the road
3: i know i mean it's gonna be that's gonna be 12 years since muggle net opened which is insane and this year is uh, MuggleNet's 10th anniversary, October. That blows my mind. That's
1: so weird. I know. That
3: is really <laughs> odd. And by the way, we are going to be doing a few things to celebrate that. So, To all the listeners. be <gasps> six years
0: of MuggleCast. Oh, yeah.
1: my God. <laughs> it's crazy. I,
4: I, I hate time. Why does time exist? It just makes you feel older, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. July 15, 2011. And we'll definitely be doing some sort of party a big and, one end of fandom extravaganza somewhere but um yeah
4: the fandom will never so, die andrew so, <laughs> so stop it
3: no it won't it won't and 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 i'm wondering if um jk rowling is considering releasing the encyclopedia after this final movie comes out maybe Cause, like i don't know i just feel like once the movie's over
4: like well it's definitely it not coming out a- anytime soon <laughs> she hasn't even really talked about it
0: speaking of big events you know the year before there's going to be a an opening right yes a the theme park yes and uh we got a little bit of new concept art from the wizarding world of harry potter and uh this one is for dervish and bangs it's going to be in hogsmeade and uh it looks pretty cool
1: yeah not, not your average
3: convenience store that's for sure you won't see this in, in a 7-Eleven. Yeah. It, it is pretty cool. And it kind of reminds me of Fred and George's store because there's that banister, banister up on the second level. And if you see some video from uh, that half Prince preview, there's a banister on the second story. Well, you there's a like lot it. of banisters
4: oh, yeah. in, in the films, too. Well, Even Flourish and okay. Blocks. Okay, so
3: banisters are in, in the films.
4: But... Um, yeah, it looks like it's cool really store. cool. I, I'm really excited to see the merchandise they have in that store because, you know, it's, it's always very hard to find Harry Potter stuff to look at and buy, you
3: know, and there's going to be, yeah, you know, I
4: wonder if it's going to be, if they're
3: going to be having like exclusive
4: merchandise that you'll only be able to get in the theme park.
1: Oh, I'm sure.
4: Oh, definitely. Be yeah. Because it's going to have like official Harry Potter theme park.
1: St- well, no, I'm hoping
4: stamps.
3: stuff that doesn't have that. Like, obviously, you'll be able to get Wizarding World shirts and stuff like that, which will be awesome, by the way. But I wonder if, like, I don't Like, look at the stuff in the picture. Like, they the the, the, the jack-in-the-box right in the front. Of course, they have the scarves.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm um, sure there's going to be a lot of stuff that we've never seen before.
1: Well, did you notice that, like, I don't know. One of the first things I noticed, maybe because I'm a girl, but they had um Hermione's Yule ball dress on display. Yeah. And, that'd, that'd and they be had cool the. If um, you were interested in buying that kind of thing. Well,
4: oh, what's right next to it? Is 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 that the Goblet of Fire like, Triwizard Tournament thing that Harry wore? Yeah,
3: looks like something of Harry's because in Order of the Phoenix he wears that gray sweatshirt and the red shirt and the red underneath, underneath shirt. A couple yeah. scenes. Yeah,
4: it looks pretty big too. If you look, there's a hallway that goes pretty far back. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm really excited to see all the different stores they have in Hogsmeade. I mean, you're going to be able to. Harry Potter fans will be able to spend the whole Jeez. day just in Hogwarts. So it's so exciting. It is. But, <laughs> we still haven't seen any actual like, like. There's been a couple of buildings going up, but there's been no like clear construction
4: photos where you see a picture and they're like, oh, that's Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I'm, they're working on it. I'm but... excited about that though. I, I really want to be surprised on a lot of the stuff in the theme park. I don't want to yeah. see like every little piece of construction that's been going up, and it's just going to look yeah. Like you just want to see – you want to absorb the magic as they want you to see it.
0: All right, and uh, one final piece of news. Back on uh, February 21st, the Scotsman reported that J.K. Rowling visited a local hospital and graffitied the walls of the Young People's Unit at the Royal Edinburgh Hospital in Morningside. And uh, the hospital cares for teenagers with complex psychiatric conditions and – The people who work over there said not only did she do a good job with the graffiti, but she really identified with the teens that were there.
3: That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see her with a can of graffiti and just like...
1: A can of graffiti? (laughs) Yeah. How
3: how does graffiti work? I don't even know. It's
1: spray paint or paint and you... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But but it doesn't... Graffiti graffiti doesn't come canned. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay.
4: Yeah.
3: You, well, regardless, it'd, yeah. it'd be it'd be funny to see her doing yeah.
4: that. You know, you're famous when your graffiti becomes like priceless
1: when you don't get arrested for it yeah yeah exactly
4: (laughs) actually just make it more valuable
3: speaking of that in response to the story chelsea 14 of new york wrote to us she said hey Mugglecasters, just want to express my love for you guys and all your podcasts i was writing in about the news of joe's graffiti at the hospital in episode 75 i believe you were all discussing about the release date for deathly hollows and how joe rode on the marble bus when she finished dh in the hotel room in Edinburgh. i think it was ben or maybe eric who was saying how maybe joe would make this her new career and now she's done it again coincidence maybe you all were just a little too good in in divination anyways love the show and hope to hear from you all soon so i thought that was uh pretty funny maybe joe likes like doing the
4: stuff like that Mm. maybe she had she she had a history of graffiti She's letting, letting loose, loose in her house.
0: now that, that all the books are over. <laughs> she can just go crazy.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: She's a loose cannon. <laughs> her house is like a New York City alley. It's like graffiti everywhere.
1: <laughs> Don't mess with her.
3: And one final story, shifting gears for a moment. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday, and we heard today that Robert Knox's killer was convicted of murder today. Um, As everyone remembers, last May, May 2008, um, Rob Knox, who plays Marcus Belby in Halfwood Prince, was tragically, so sadly, um, killed out in front of a uh, nightclub in London, and uh, he was stabbed to death, actually. A terrible story, and uh, his his murderer was finally uh, convicted today, and he will be sentenced tomorrow. So... That's sad. Good to hear you got justice, but very, very sad story. Very sad circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, anyway, moving along to some announcements before we get to Muggle Mail and then the interview with Mary Grant Prix. We have a new design on MuggleCast.com. Has everyone seen this? Yes. yes.
1: That's awesome. Yay. People
3: are... People are loving it much more than i thought they would (laughs) which is great so thanks everyone we're glad to hear you like the new layout it's it's really nice it's just it's slick it's it's easy to look at um it's got more information on there it's just it's just Mm -hmm. nice i like it it's very clean looking too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's better organized and got some fun buttons for twitter and finally our pictures are up there because some of our listeners still haven't you know they don't know what we look like yet because they don't go on facebook or myspace or muggle space for whatever and now reason. they wish they didn't
1: oh my god yeah. now, <laughs> yeah, now, now they know that we're we... all social hermits <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow these guys are nerds look at them <laughs> uh, so um yeah so our pictures are up there so if you want to see the true us just go to mugglecast.com and you can click about. out <laughs>
4: That's been a long-requested feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. We we need to pick a new picture for Micah.
3: You know, he has Andrew. St-
1: if you picked a crappy picture for me, I'm gonna kill you.
3: I didn't. I I I picked uh, Facebook profile pictures for everyone because yeah. I figured if they use them once, you know, it's it's your picture. It's it's a very nice picture of yeah. you.
1: Okay. I'll I'll take your word for it.
3: Anyway, we're in March now, so don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. We're in the top ten as of right now, so thank you to everyone who's been voting for us. We really do appreciate your vote. And finally, in the announcements, we have a couple things about Askatras to talk about. As everyone knows, we'll be doing a podcast after the midnight premiere of Half-Blood Prince with our friends at Leaky. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're doing a couple other things, too, on our own. Um, and actually we just heard the other day and I want to thank everyone who's been, um, who has signed up. Um, we heard that we've, uh, referred over a hundred people to Ascatraz. So like a hundred of our listeners signed up. So that's great news Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's going to help us out a lot. So thank you to, uh, everyone who's been registering and we can't wait to see everybody there. Yeah. Um, yeah also today i found out that our panel on how to podcast has been approved so we'll be Ooh. doing a a discussion on how to make your own podcast and you know how to come up with ideas and such um i can't remember if i ever told you guys about this you did. but um you did yeah okay good <laughs>
1: <laughs> for once but you're
3: finding out now <laughs> and you're doing it
1: <laughs> okay Mason. but um
3: <laughs> oh yeah no, but uh it, it'll be a lot of fun we d- i did this once before with ben and jamie at enlightening 2007 the convention in uh philadelphia and it was a lot of fun and the fans enjoyed it too so yeah. we'll be doing that i'm
4: really excited for
3: ask a yeah me too yeah we're, we're also going to be doing a MuggleCast cast meetup like we did last year at portis that was a lot of fun uh this year maybe if uh yeah, we got some extra money. Maybe we'll have, you know, order, like, a ton of pizzas. Instead yeah. Of Whereas last year... Instead of one, we ordered pizzas for ourselves.
4: <laughs> it wasn't even yeah, that was for us. It was for you, It was Andrew. just for you.
3: <laughs> I ate, like, three pizzas.
4: <laughs> yeah, we I were gave, I gave, <laughs> we were sitting there for, like, a half hour just waiting on you to show up with your pizza. I awarded slices
3: to the people who um, asked questions and such. But anyway, we'll have a... We'll <laughs> the order, leftover like, 15, slices that you didn't want to eat... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sorry. So we'll um, we'll have a big pizza, you know, Pepsi, soda party, <laughs> water, orange juice, whatever you want. It'll be there. So that'll be a lot of fun. And like I said, that'll be the MuggleCast meetup. And also we'll be doing how to podcast. And lastly, one more thing that we're doing. And Mike is going to talk about that.
0: Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, HPEF and MuggleCast are uh, teaming up to create the next biggest podcast idol, Survivor. Um, So I think we included just about every reality TV show in there. A contest (laughs) and endeavor to make the next great Harry Potter podcast. Yeah, they're missing that. Um, And uh, we mentioned this last episode, but the, the competition is great because it culminates on July 20th when the winners are going to get the chance to podcast live from Ascatraz in San Francisco as part of the Podcast Palooza. Now, the reason why we're talking about it so much is because you only have a small amount of time to get your edition tapes in. They need to be submitted by March 15th to YouTube with HPEF, the Next Biggest Podcast Idol Contest, and then your name, in the subject field. Now, full details, including all of the info on the remaining stages of the competition are available on MogulCast.com. But that that's the first step. You need to get your audition tape in so that you have a chance at, at being part of this mm-hmm. at Ask Tress.
4: Oh, Wait, Andrew, I got a question for you. Um, On, on this thing, are, are we like, are us the hosts, are we going to be like the judges? Yes. So like American Idol judges? Yeah, you're going to be the Paula. And I don't want to be Paula. I'm going to be I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm to be like, yo, dog, yo,
1: who, yo, who man, that was be, really kicking. Who gets to be Simon? <laughs> uh, Mike can be the Simon. Mean so. I think Laura, Andrew, you, can be Andrew you, you
4: seem more like, like Simon than anybody else. It's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. <laughs> no, that's my best Simon. One last
3: quick announcement before we move into Muggle Mail. just want to remind everyone we have a new podcast everyone on the show this week is doing. It's called Smart Mouths, and you can visit smartmouthspodcast.com for more information. We're talking about anything and everything in the world, and it's a lot of fun. So check it out, smartmouthspodcast.com. And so with that, let's move into Muggle Mail this week to catch up on uh, some emails. People really enjoyed our favorites discussion last week on who we would date in the Harry Potter series as part of our Valentine's Day discussion?
1: First one comes from Molly Gwynn, age twenty, of Madison, Wisconsin. She writes, "In your Valentine's Day episode, you asked people who in the Harry Potter series would they date. I thought it was interesting that no one said they would date Harry. I wonder why that is, because I know I would."
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, why didn't anyone say Harry? I wasn't I there. Think we just
4: yeah, well, Laura. Who, who do you think you would date?
1: I would date Harry. I like Harry. He seems really? like... But
4: anyone else? Pretend like you didn't see this email. Who would yeah. you have
3: said?
1: Who would I have said? Yeah. I mean, I like Ron, too. I don't know.
4: I think why all, a lot of us um, didn't really think about Harry is because we just know too much of Harry. Yeah. Well, maybe.
0: there was also five guys on the show, That's so yeah. Yeah. that might have had something to do with it, too. <laughs> Next email comes from Mary Margaret of Germantown, Tennessee. Uh, She says, I loved hearing your answers to the which HP character would you date question. However, I was surprised that none of you guys said Molly Weasley. She obviously likes to get it on since she has seven kids and her nickname from Arthur is Molly Wobbles. She's a great cook and she'll even knit you a sweater. This is a woman who knows how to take care of her family and her men. I have
4: to say... No, you you had to say it with, like, a little soul, too. This is a woman who knows how to take care of her You did it for me.
0: Uh, I have to say I would date Harry, since I always seem to end up with the guys who have emotional baggage and lots of drama. <laughs> so that's from Mary Margaret. I would date Molly. Mo- she's married, though.
3: <clears throat> no, before. I mean, like, if she was... Oh, before. She, you know, in her teens or her young adult years. I mean, she's, um... Yeah, she, uh... Mary is absolutely right She's a very nice
4: uh, lady She's very caring She's the only character Who up. actually swore in the series Our last email comes from Zach 21 of Ohio And Zach writes You gave a live Mugglecast To that piece of trash from Japan But we didn't get the, this actual new footage From Australia Plus the little bit from spoilers And the Oscars And there isn't even a recorded Mugglecast I'm afraid I just don't understand And I'm not mad Just curious as to what you thought Of all this new footage Love the show And Ben needs to be on more well, jeez, a little demanding of um, this kid. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I included this because a lot of people were asking why we didn't do
3: a um, a a show after the featurette was released that we discussed a little bit earlier. I mean, it was just because it wasn't a trailer and we had some other stuff going on at that time. And I mean, the, the stuff, the footage
4: was really awesome. Australia was definitely good. one of our best looks. Yeah. The so. Oscars and spoilers thing I don't think holds any water at all. Because the Oscars yeah, suck. Let's, let's be honest. The Spoilers yeah, the uh, on the Oscars. Um, there, there's no, there's no reason for us to do anything for that. Wasn't even worth it. Yeah, it, it was what all of not even five seconds. I think it was five seconds of stuff we just we already saw six there months was like ago. One new clip, and it was the second long. But that yeah, was I mean, it. you had to pause it.
0: And I wouldn't call the thing from Japan a, a piece of trash. I mean, that's that's a little harsh.
4: Yeah, he was just upset. No.
3: I mean, there was a lot of new stuff in there, so... Um, but, yeah, I mean, next time there's a trailer, we'll do a live show. Hopefully, there will be a lot of new stuff to discuss in it. But, yeah, that feature it was awesome! Okay, well, that's Muggle Mail this week, taking in all of your feedback from previous episodes of MuggleCast. Now it is time for our interview with the illustrator of the United States Harry Potter books... Miss Mary Grand Prix. Yay! Yay. We're now joined by the illustrator of the U.S. Harry Potter books, Mary Grand Prix. Mary, it's an honor to be talking with you. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing just great today, thank you. How are you?
3: Good, we're we're, we're doing We're great.
1: We uh, we heard you're in Florida right now, so we have to wonder if you've been to Universal Studios by chance and caught any glimpses of the Harry Potter theme park they're building?
2: I have not. I'm I'm waiting to... uh to do that. We have a little girl that we will take with us and when she's old enough, we'll explore it. Aww. <laughs> Aww.
3: Well, let's, um, let's get into some questions about the books because we do have a lot of them and of course all the fans know you for your amazing work with them. Uh, but let's start with the basics. Could you, could you explain to us the process of designing one of the Harry Potter covers? Um, we know that you read the books first and then what?
2: Yeah, um, I'll get the manuscript and then I'll just go through and highlight um, descriptions of characters, descriptions of places or creatures or whatever is something that I might end up drawing. And I kind of have a code system that I, you know, highlight things that might be good for a, a chapter heading or a different color for things that might be uh, good ideas for covers and then um, make all my notes and try and get a really good understanding of the story and emotionally and and visually as well. And then I just start out with writing notes and making thumbnail sketches. And then um, at that point, after I feel like I've got some ideas, I'll call David Saylor at Scholastic and we'll discuss what some of my cover ideas are. And he'll discuss with me what they've been talking about at Scholastic for cover ideas. And we'll kind of come to a decision about a couple of different approaches And then I'll go back to the drawing board and um, sketch those. It's usually a scene, sketch those scenes out. And, um, you know, working with the type, all the covers have a handmade or hand-drawn title in them. So I've kind of had to design the cover with that in mind. After the cover is decided, we'll go through and discuss what each chapter heading might be. And sometimes David will give me a list of his ideas and sometimes I'll I'll have a different idea, so I'll shoot that to him. But I'll just then continue on with those sketches. And I mean, everything's done in pencil first, pencil on tracing paper, and then it goes to pastel on paper after the pencils are approved.
3: How long of a process do you think this is? From like month-wise, it's, it sounds like it must take a while.
2: It does, um, but there's not enough time. There's never enough time because right. the, you know the printing, the print deadline is, is really always looming. And it seems like the artist is the last one to get the <laughs> to get the um thing handed down, so <laughs> you know right there. um, but I would say from the time I get the manuscript to the time um the final piece of art is due is probably about two and a half months or so, hmm. two to three months, maybe wow, to get a cover done, and then all the spots, yeah. yeah. And uh, they've also been including frontispieces, which is that colored piece at the beginning of the book, right. too. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's huh. uh, also a kind of separate cover for the special edition, too.
3: And wow. is that done in that two-and-a-half-month two period as well?
2: Yeah, I'd say maybe three months for that. Okay. Yeah. How
1: many ideas do you come up with per book? Is it ever hard for you to decide um,
2: which scene you want to depict on the cover? It is before I talk to David, but after I get some kind of validation and and really um, knock some ideas around on the phone with him, um, we're pretty focused on um, a direction. I mean, the the it's hard to decide before that point because there's so many you know exciting scenes to show, and and JK Rowling really um, gives us a lot to work with visually. I mean, she's such a her writing is very rich in that regard. So um, it is hard to pick you know what wonderful scene to show but once i talk with david there's a pretty good a pretty good direction and then my challenge is just to work within those boundaries and make that scene shine the best way i can initially i'll i'll come up with maybe four different ideas for what a cover might be okay. when i when i speak with david
0: was there any book in the series you had a, a particularly hard time designing and if so what was that challenge
2: i would say um book 5 Was hardest for me because it was, um, a very dark book. It was, it was kind of a hard book for me to read. Um, I mean, I think it was really good, but it seemed like, um, that's when Harry was kind of coming into puberty and, and becoming this young man. And, and it was emotionally really, um, it just seemed really heavy and dark. And so, and there were a lot of dream scenes and, um, Harry running through hallways. Um, opening doors, and 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 as dramatic and interesting and rich as that is, it was hard to find a scene that was um, not depressing to show on the cover, and um, mm-hmm. so that's that's why we went with the uh, the round spinning room with the the candles, the blue the blue light but you know i like to work with dark things too so i mean it had that fun part about it i mean I, you know dark is fun too but I, it also can be kind of overwhelming if, if if you get caught up in it emotionally so
3: right now that was also the first cover that was <clears throat> had a single um i guess i don't know what the technical term is but a color tone it was it was all blue um, yeah what was the reason for doing that
2: well, I think when I looked back at the first, the first three books were kind of jewel toned, you know, yeah. reds and blues and purples and and golds, and then the fourth book became pretty green, and I, I started to kind of think in terms of, you know, let's do something different um, with the fourth book. And then by the time the fifth book rolled around and color seemed actually to be mentioned a lot in the fifth book, there was a lot of dark blues in, in the writing. And it just so happened that, um, the next book, book six, um, the Half-Blood Prince was, there's was a lot of greens. And so, I mean, it really made sense to kind of start making the books more, um, poignant in their color. Yeah. Themes.
3: Now, what about a um, character? Did you ever have a hard time coming up with a idea for a character? Because there's so many you have to illustrate when you're including the the character mm-hmm. um, pictures too. Were there any challenges with that?
2: Um, not so much. I think um, because she because she really describes well yeah. how people look. I mean, I, it's not like I had to make them up. I really just had to pay attention to what she was saying. Um, and kind of envision the character in my head, and I and I really stayed away from watching the movies because, um, well, for for one thing, they come out after the books, and, you know, and I didn't want to get caught up in the um, special effects and and the the wow factor of the you know laser beams or whatever you see on the TV. <laughs> but I mean, it's just you know, I just really wanted to make the books. Um, pure and simple and, and, and true to the writing. And, um, so I really just paid attention to the writing when it came to deciding how characters look or places look. And, um, so I don't think there was so much challenge. My biggest challenge was always the ticking clock to get everything done on time. Ah, right. right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, kind of going off of that, have
1: you ever received complaints from fans who may not have liked the characters as you depicted
2: them in the cover art? No. I mean, I, I think I know that I can go online and look at websites where they kind of pull apart the art and criticize the art. and I choose not to do that because really, what's the point? Um, mm-hmm. I get more positive feedback, and that's really what moves me forward.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, I, I think so. in general, the fans, just they really do love your work. And they seem to. We know they 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 tend to get critical back about the actors playing the Mm -hmm. uh, you know the the role. So we were wondering if maybe they had any problems with the characters too. But I guess not.
2: Well, I'm I I guess I'm guessing they do. I just don't know about them. (laughs) I don't want to know about them because you know. I mean, I'll I'll do. Some public appearances as far as going to schools and talking to them about the process and the experience and about making pictures for books and not just Potter books, but all the books that I do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll always have a Q and A at the end and kids talk about, uh, ask me questions why I do the something this way or that way or, or have comments. And, and it's that kind of feedback, you know, in a public forum that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, getting complaints in the mail or something like that doesn't interest me right. too much, <laughs> and I don't. I don't really get them. I, I get some great letters, and there's some wonderful fans, and it's and it's and I think encouragement is just the biggest gift. Yes. So, um, you know, um, it's 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 a funny thing because you can't really draw something in somebody else's mind. I mean, you can only draw from what you how you see it. That's how. Nature of art in any form, so that's that, I guess.
3: Okay, Uh, and you talked a little bit before about designing the covers, but we're wondering if you've had any involvement uh, with the author, of course, JK Rowling. Did you you talk Mm -hmm. with her at all when designing them, or does she give you any feedback? Or
2: or Um, the way that it's set up, and it's this way with um, picture books as well, is it's usually um, the publisher is the go between. They, they kind of keep the author and illustrator separate so that they can each do their job. And, um, of course they would send sketches to JK to get her approval, but I never dealt with her directly. I mean, I've met her and, and spoken with her, but I never, um, when we were working, I never dealt with her directly. It's just not the way, um, the agreement is set up. The relationship is, ship is set up. Um, but if she wanted something changed, you know, or or she was concerned about something, she would relay that to the art director and the editor, and they would then um, speak to me about it. But so far, there's never been a complaint, really, I don't think, on her part about the covers. Cool. She's been quite agreeable. Uh, do you work with the international illustrators at all? No, I don't. Um I know there's a, a lot of different publishers around the world, and some of my artwork shows up on diff- in different countries, like a, a lot of the Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't, don't speak with the others. So,
1: so there was never any concern about maybe like the U.S. artwork and the U.K. artwork looking too similar, or is that sort of a non-issue?
2: Uh, I think it's a non-issue. And I, I don't think they look similar at all, really. But Oh, um, no, no.
1: They they definitely don't. But just in terms of scenes being used on the different oh, editions?
2: No, I don't think there's ever really been a concern about it.
0: When you're designing the covers, do you have any other influences aside from the stories themselves that you may use?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Um, You know, it's hard to say um i think so many of our influences are are indirect and we don't really know what we're pulling from sometimes in creating something But, um you know, i i guess i, I would really just really have to say my my biggest and and most tangible influence is um the writing itself the story and the mood that it sets and you know how this book cover differs from the last one um how it progresses you know how harry's aged um and just to think in progressive terms as a series, that's that's really where my focus goes in deciding, you know, how the books change from from one to another.
3: Yeah. Now, um, some more specific cover questions uh, about your work. Uh, what what in your mind was the significance of the heavily worn curtains on the book seven cover compared to the Sorcerer's Stone cover? Um, and I know you mm-hmm. spoke. Uh, you did a small interview. I think. When when that cover was revealed, you said that um, every every little detail on the cover mattered. So, could you talk about the significance of that cur- curtain because that was particularly interesting?
2: Yeah, well, the the, the last book we wanted to hearken back to the first book, and the the curtains was one element of that. And uh, you know, the the book really changed from from one through seven. The look of it, I think, it just got more mature and developed as did Harry. Um and you know Harry's more of a of a grown young man on the last cover and so um the the curtains are more worn and older too and you know a lot has happened and so we just had fun making this dramatic scene yeah. and in, and making the covers tie back to the first one yeah. um and also the outstretched arm you know it, it's it's a different it's almost a different Harry, even though it's the same Harry. He feels older and more mature and different. He's in a totally different environment. So part of it was the curtains was just this kind of stage dramatic effect. and But most of it was to tie back to, to book number one, um, just visually. And also um, in a way to say, you know, this is the closing scene, um, almost like a stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of tying back to book one, how did you decide what to do for the Sorcerer's Stone 10th anniversary edition cover?
2: Um, when David and I talked about that, we just both agreed on the idea that we would show Harry in a more emotional, up-close way, because we'd been showing scenes, um, and books one, two, and three were really scenes of these little figures, you know, And I and I really don't like doing little figures very much. I like to get up close and Do more of a portrait, more of an emotional connection um, with the characters. And so, when it was time to do the anniversary cover, look. Let's see. We wanted to to just show him in a vulnerable, vulnerable place, um, at a real, on a real human level. Aside that we hadn't yet shown him on a cover that way, really, where he's just really in this reflective. State, uh, looking at his parents in the mirror. So, and the fact that we never really got to see his parents on a cover, and parents were a big part of his spirit, you know, his his strength. Mm-hmm. So um, that that just seemed like a really good scene for those reasons.
0: Speaking of the tenth anniversary, uh, both Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban. Celebrate their ten-year anniversary this year. Have you thought about cover ideas for them? Have you even been approached
2: uh, about those books? Um, we've thought about them. I'm not sure what's happening right now with it. Um, I really, I don't, I don't really think I can comment on it. I'm not sure <laughs> where, we're at, where we're at with it. I know it's it's approaching, and I'm I'm not really quite sure about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No comment, so, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. No comment on
3: that one. <laughs> um. And uh, one other future cover that's possible is uh, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter Encyclopedia. Um, she says she wants to do this down the road. Um, she's basically given the impression that she really wants to do it. Uh, obviously, everyone would be uh, looking for you to do a cover for the encyclopedia for the American edition. Have you have mm-hmm. you heard about the encyclopedia? Have you given any thought to it? What you could possibly put it on on an all all encompassing cover, you know.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That would be a tough one. I, um, that, that's a tough, a tough cover to figure out because there's so much and that's going to be a really big encyclopedia. (laughs) Um, you know, and the cover, the cover should represent what's going on inside. So that's just, that would take a lot of thought. I, I don't know if I'm going to be doing it or not. I, but should I be approached about it, I, I would have fun trying to figure that one out. Yeah. 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 I think
3: it'd be cool if you drew like every character and every item ever and just fit it all yeah. on one <laughs> cover.
2: Okay. And the next 10 years I'll be doing pottery. Yeah. No, there's <laughs> so much. There's so much. But I think, you know, a collection of portraits would be very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Colored portraits. Yeah. Because so many times we only see um, a lot of the main characters in just a black and white form in a tiny little spot, you know, the, ch- the chapter headings. But... Right. I think um, really getting to see them, their portraits would be very, very cool. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about reading the books has always been the chapter art, um, because you always seem to be so good at not giving away too much with the drawings. Mm-hmm. Do you find the process of selecting a piece of work for each chapter challenging?
2: I found it more fun than challenging. I, yeah, challenging in a fun way. Um, yeah, because that's exactly what you, you have to do. You just have to entice... I mean, the, the writing, of course, entices you enough, but the, the chapter headings just really have to give you a little glimpse of what's about to come without telling you too much. And um, And like I said, those chapter headings are also opportunities for us to meet some of the characters, and then when we read on, we find out who they are and what place they have in the story. So... Um, you know, those are, I'd say, as much fun for me to do as the actual covers because they really kind of mark places in the story yeah. um, that are mm-hmm. important without giving it away. Yeah. And that, that's that is fun to do.
0: Now, you're one of the first people to read these books when they come out. I want to know how difficult was it? With knowing the end of Deathly Hollows and not being able to share it with anybody, and then also, how did you feel once Harry's story was done because obviously you played such a big role in this series as well
2: Mhm um as far as the difficulty level of not sharing it, it's kinda of hard, but i'm I've gotten used to um just you know signing the confidentiality contracts and 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 just being true to that and um my focus is is always so much on you know the artwork and doing a good job and getting it in on time and 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 just really being true to the writing that you know the other element of the social aspect of not sharing my work is just kind of not that important my family doesn't really they know enough to not even talk to me about it at that time and <laughs> you know, I just it, my friends know, and they just know when I'm not coming out and socializing. I must be working on a potter piece, right. so <laughs> you know they, they they know the program, and and it just it just has become a way of working yeah. when that rolls around. So, C- uh, and the other yeah, I'm sorry. The I'm sorry, other part you of your question was um,
3: how did you feel once Harry's story was done?
2: Oh, um, sad. Sad but also kinda happy. Um, it's kinda like I think I've said it before, like your eighteen year old is, is leaving for college. Right. And mm-hmm. they're going out on their own and, and now you move on to other things too. Yeah. But um but sad too because he really has been a part and of course I look back at the work and I wish I could redo parts of it and do so- do it better and you know, but that's what artists do and that's what anybody does when they look at their work. But yeah. um yeah.
3: Well, a couple uh, basic questions. What's your favorite character in the Harry Potter series? And what do you think your favorite favorite book is, too? Well,
2: Harry is my favorite character. Um, <laughs> but aside from Harry, I would say Hagrid.
3: Oh, Hagrid. Aww. Why, why mm-hmm. Hagrid? Did you have fun drawing him, too? He looks like a lot of fun to draw.
2: Um, mostly I have Hagrid because I'm drawn to um, lovable, big, scruffy... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, people, characters—I guess—and and he—he and, um, he reminded me a lot of my best dog, Chopper, who was a big Saint Bernard mix, and he was always there and loyal and protective, and that's what Hagrid was. Oh, yeah. um, and that, to me, is just really sweet. Um, but I—you know—I also love Dumbledore, and you know that. But I guess emotionally, there's a little tug at the heart for Hagrid. Yeah, but but certainly Harry. Out of
1: all the cover art you've done for the Potter books, which one is your favorite?
2: I would say the last one is my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's The Best Portrait of Harry, and I think, you know, I like the dramatic quality of it and the simplicity of the composition. Um, And I like the curtains. I I liked how it tied it up and kind of related back to the first book. Right. So Yeah.
3: Oh, and also, what what is what is your favorite book?
2: My favorite book of the Potter series.
3: Yeah, like the stories in general.
2: Um, I, it's a draw between the first book and um, the third book.
3: Now, why why is that? Why or is there anything? Uh, there? I, you
2: know, I think the third book because of Harry. And it's the first book certainly, because we're just meeting this. Kid, and it's just an amazing story, and the fact that he lived in this little cellar under the stairs, and um, you know, and, and the funny parts—it seemed to be more a little more lighthearted, and um, there was some good humor. Um, and I guess when you meet a character, and you're finding out about. Their quirks or their personality it's kind of it's it's kind of exciting in that way
1: yeah. and
2: just you know being drawn to Harry as this um orphaned boy and discovering in that first book that he has this power is pretty exciting um and then book three I think it was um I think it was about him uh Finding out who Sirius Black was, and that he had this connection with him, and that he wasn't alone, and um, and there seemed to be a real camaraderie between him and Ron and Hermione in that book too. I mean, there are in all those books, but they they really seem to come together physically and dramatically in Book Three.
0: Well, uh, wrapping up, can you tell us a little bit about your exhibit uh, that was recently held in Cedar Rapids?
2: Yeah, um, the exhibit was, um, it's a great museum, and, you know, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Minnesota, and so Cedar Rapids is just a couple hours south of where I'm originally from, and so I felt a kinship to go back to the Midwest and have this pretty extensive show in a museum. And the curator, Sean Ulmer, was a, a great guy to work with. Um, but I I showed a variety of my illustration work from throughout the years from other children's books and book covers and posters and opera pieces I've done for the Cincinnati opera and um, and also some sketches from the Potter series that I got. Um I don't own any of the originals and but I do have a few of the sketches. So it was interesting because um, people were drawn to the show, I think initially because the illustrator of Harry Potter was showing some of the sketches, but once they got there, they saw that my work spanned into other areas, and they ended up, I think, leaving with a bigger picture of, of, of um, you know, what an illustrator does, or what, certainly what I did outside of the Potter books, and it was nice to be appreciated for the other work, too, since... I've been working in illustration for 25 years, and sure. um, Harry's been around for 10. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a nice opportunity to show both sides of my work and to be appreciated on that level.
3: Yeah, and we we received some reports from your exhibit uh, from fans, and uh, they sent in some pictures showing, you know, the galleries how it was laid out. And it really was mm-hmm. great, and we heard you went around, and um, I, I, I guess you probably didn't do this for. For every day but i guess maybe the first couple of days you were there and took everybody through with the exhibit
2: um they just had i i did a few things i you know i visited some schools and had there was a family day and i helped kids with art and so there's a lot of community involvement nice. but then i on one day i did a gallery walk and um walked through and just talked about different pieces in the show and took questions from the audience it was a good turnout and then I think the curator I think the curator might be on YouTube you probably saw it uh Sean Almer and he goes through and talks about some of the pieces too
3: oh cool yeah it sounded like a lot of fun just seeing you explain your work and all that
2: yeah it was It was it was a really nice opportunity and it's just nice to see people interested in art and in you know the the art that goes with literature and, and other kinds of illustration. And a lot of people don't know what illustrators do. And so when you get the opportunity to kind of support the craft and talk about it with them, um, it's fun. It's just, sure. it feels almost educational.
3: Yeah. Um, before we let you go, just a quick question. Are you, um, working on any other projects right now outside of Harry Potter or
2: what's I'm working on? on some other picture books and I'm working on, um, a bunch of personal work for me. I just, uh, you know, painting and, and other kinds of mediums. So I'm experimenting with some of that, I'm just trying to grow as an artist.
3: And maybe you'll get a call from Scholastic about those two books this year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I will. We don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. All
3: right. Well, Mary, it was so great having you on with us. Thanks so much for well, uh, talking with us. And we learned a lot well, today.
2: Well, thanks. Good, good questions, guys. And um, keep up the good work. Okay. Well, there you
3: have it. Big thanks to Scholastic for helping us set up that interview. And uh, to Micah as well, you were a crucial part of getting that interview with Miss Grand Prix.
1: And of course, thanks to her for talking to us as well. It was really, oh, absolutely, it was yes. great.
3: Yeah, she's really cool. I like yeah. her. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, and we hope you guys enjoyed the interview too. Now let's move on to a fun game called Make the Music Connection. Where's the. Now, I didn't play that, the sound effect. Yeah, that wasn't the clip. No, where's the clip? People request that I do it live now instead of the, the clip because, you know. <sighs> okay, who are live. these people? You keep mentioning people. It's a focus group. It's a Muggle Cast oh, focus group. I think it's just you. No, 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 no. It really wasn't me. People have requested that, so. Um, let's see. Um, let's have uh, Matt, you go first. Here is, here is your selection for Make the Music Connection. If you don't know how this game is played, basically I'll play a uh, hot song right now in the world and uh, the contestant has to make a connection between that song and Harry Potter. So here All we right. go. Man. Here's am here.
4: nervous. Let's do it. Here's your choice.
3: This is, of course, "My Life Would Suck Without You" by Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. She's a popular artist. Me, yeah, that's a good song. I really like it. Let too. me uh, read back some of the lyrics to you to help you out. I know because we song. belong together now. Yeah. <laughs> forever, you're forever united here somehow. Yeah. You got a piece of me,
4: and honestly, my life, my life would suck. Would suck without you. Well, if you go by the lyrics, I would think it'd be like the showdown in the in the in the forest when Harry sings to Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> I, I missed that part of the of
0: the
1: yeah, book I, he, where he sang man, to him. I, I must have gotten one of those editions yeah, yeah, where the pages were missing. Because
4: <laughs> well, it was it was more like a ballad slash lullaby when he was singing it to him, saying, <laughs> "You've got a piece of me inside me." Here, maybe yeah, that's seriously on, the case. On, a- honestly honestly though I would think that this song would be more relevant to like Hermione um, when she's beating the crap out of Ron in the tent in Deathly Hollows mm, good when one. she finds out that she really loves him well
3: here's another here's another part of the verse I think is good for your Voldemort thing uh, being with you is so dis- dysfunctional I really shouldn't <laughs> miss you but I can't let you go oh yeah. I think that really speaks oh, yeah. between the two. <laughs> Could
4: you just imagine him actually just t- speaking <laughs> the lyrics to Voldemort instead of just saying, <laughs> I Being really shouldn't you be... Being so
3: would- <laughs> dysfunctional. I really shouldn't miss you, but I can't let you go. <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> Could you just see Lucius on the side? Yeah. I'm like so uncomfortable right
3: now. <laughs>
1: uh...
3: <laughs> Anyway, um, okay. Uh, next song. This is for Micah. Now, this isn't a current song. It's actually from 1965. However, when Ma- when uh, Watchmen is released on um, uh, this this weekend, it's going to be uh, be
4: coming hmm. back. Is it Bob Dylan from The Times Are Changing? Come gather gathering people, wherever you roam. And admit that the waters around you have grown, and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone, or the times, they are a-changing. This is,
3: of course, Bobby Dylan. These times are a changin', and uh, Matt and I caught a screening of Watchmen a couple weeks ago, and this was in in there. This is a really good
4: song.
0: Um, yeah, it, it almost seems like a song that you would play during a, a somber moment. So I'd probably go with Dumbledore's funeral, or or
4: oh, no! or after
0: Dumbledore's funeral.
4: That's so mm-hmm. sad. That is really sad.
3: tearing up.
4: That's really crap. <laughs> now I'm just depressed. <laughs> Damn it. You know, I've been noticing a lot, though, when the song being, is played throughout movies, it's always played during montages. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that that's that's good, Micah. They should really start
3: incorporating some real songs into Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> talk about it in 80 years when they remake the series. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. um, and Laura, I know this is uh, one of your favorite songs. Oh, really? <clears throat> so so um, this final one is for
4: you. Oh
2: yeah
1: you spin, right round, right round. You,
4: down, down. you
2: spin my head right around, right around when you go down when you go down now spin around Right around right around When you go down When you go down the house with my flag I hopin' that whip I got place at the door People to see time as fast as I'll get my cardier out of
3: control Just fight like my mind when I'm going the women, no shorties sure, know nothing my clothes this is, of course, uh, right round by Florida. You honestly love this song, Laura? No. Really? No, I completely made that no. up. <laughs> uh,
1: no, but it, rem- Here, it, it reminds me. I'll give of you a- some lyrics
3: to it. Oh no, I already huh? have my okay, answer. Oh, okay. Uh, it
1: makes me think of the way the pensive works. Pensive, rather. <laughs> That's
3: great. That's excellent. Here's some lyrics from that song. Hopped out of that house with my swagger. Hop in that with girl. That makes no sense. I got places (laughs) to go. People to see. Time is precious. I look at my crowd and they out of control. Just like my mind where I'm going. No woman, no shorties, no nothing but clothes.
4: God, that's Shakespeare right there, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it's excellent. So there you go. That's how we play. Make the music connection. I'm just going crazy with it now. And we'll wrap this excellent episode of MuggleCast up today with... Two chicken soups. Um, The first one is is rather sad. It's from Matthew Dredge, 14, of Victoria, Australia. He writes, Hey guys, as you may have heard, the people here in Australia are suffering the worst bushfire disaster in decades. Fortunately, as the fire swept through my state, my family survived, but I cannot say the same for my house. We had evacuated three hours before and escaped with a box of my possessions. For the past week, my family and I have been living in a community center, and the atmosphere here has been quite depressing. I can't express how lucky I am that there's wireless internet here. Otherwise, I would not have been able to download episodes of MuggleCast to my iPod Touch. Your hilarious jokes, insightful comments, thoughts, and voices makes this difficult time just that bit more easier. Thank you so much. Love what you're doing. G'day from Australia. That's from Matthew. And uh, we hope him and all the others who are victims of the australian wildfires uh make it through and hopefully you know get back to normal lives
1: our next one comes from dana 20 of tucson arizona she writes i'm a long listener of the show and i love you guys my chicken soup is in three parts firstly i want to thank you for getting my boyfriend to read this books i would always be listening to the show and he would want to i would never let him because i didn't want to spoil the movies He ended up loving the series so much, we started downloading all the episodes so he can listen, and now he loves you as much as I do. Secondly, I feel you, Laura and Andrew. On being poor college students, you guys give us hours of entertainment because we don't have cable. Finally, last September, my sister technically died. She did some stuff that isn't really good to talk about on the show. I know you like to keep it PG for the most part. She was in a coma for three days and in treatment for another four months. Thank you for supplying me with happiness on the way... (laughs) I can't read today. Thank you for supplying me with happiness on the 45-minute drive to the hospital, which I made about four times a day. She is doing w- very well now. I really love you all and can't wait until the next episode. Thanks so much, Dana.
4: Well, Aw,
3: we love you we're too, Dana. We're to glad uh, Dana and Matthew and everyone who listens and is sending chicken soups are uh, using MuggleCast to uh, brighten up their days a bit. Anyway, uh, that wraps up this 171st episode of MuggleCast. We'll be back to talk to you guys more very soon. Um, But before we go, we want to remind everyone about our contact information. I'm sure lots of you have feedback about this episode. Uh, To contact us, don't forget, uh, you can always call in your voicemail question or comment to us. If you're in the United States, you can dial 1-218-20-MAGIC. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. Don't forget, you can also Skype the username MuggleCast. Uh, Just remember, no matter how you call us, keep your question under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. And of course, on the brand new MuggleCast.com, you can find a handy feedback form to contact any one of us. Or just use our first names at staff.mugglenet.com. And don't forget, uh, we have the community outlets, follow us on Twitter, fan us on Facebook, vote for us once a month at podcast alley. And we have a variety of other community outlets, my space, YouTube frapper, last, last FM, and the fan listing and forums over at mugglecastfan.net. But just remember mugglecast.com has all the links you need. So Mm -hmm. there you go. We'll be talking to you guys again soon.
0: Real quick. I just want to say thanks again to, uh, obviously Mary Grand Prix, but also Chris Moran over at Scholastic for helping us with that. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Scholastic, um, you rule. So with that, it is time to go. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims.
1: I'm Laura Thompson.
3: I'm Micah <laughs>
4: Annabelle. And I'm Matthew Britton. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I don't know. Everybody was talking so fast. I thought Mike was a glitch. Well, whatever. Uh,
3: we'll save everyone next time for episode 172. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Because Mary Grand Prix is joining us this week, this is MuggleCast, episode 172, for I don't know the date, 2009.